You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So, so we're going to do what we've been threatening to do for several weeks now. Um, we're going to talk about the book of Revelation. It's kind of neat because Chris and I laughed about it. By the way, give it up for my friend Chris. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also, it's, as much as it's difficult, it's also gorgeous to remember that the body of Christ does not need one person. It moves with or without. It's not built around a human or a, it's just built around Christ. And if we keep that focus, things happen. And, but Chris did an amazing job. And so he's such a good man. But last week we joked that, um, that I was going to come up here this week and say, all right, before we start Revelation, because he said that for the last two weeks. Uh, but this week we are actually really going to talk about it. Uh, and I'm excited. I've been preparing for this for a year uh, or more, uh, studying the Old Testament, studying Revelation. And just for the last two weeks, two and a half weeks, I've had nothing to do except for study Revelation and watch Marvel movies. And um, I watched all of them. I watched 19 Marvel movies. Do the math on that. That's two and a half hours a piece, give or take. There's no way to figure out how long that is, but it's a lot of time. A tremendous amount of time I've devoted. So much so that Revelation and Marvel were kind of beginning to become one thing in my head. And like, so if I say Thor's coming back on a white horse, don't hold it against me. I'm going to get it worked out. But I've watched a lot of Marvel movies. But, but there, is, there is, so there is some connection between the Marvel movies and Revelation. And, and the connection is this, Context. Like, how many of you guys have seen the Marvel movies? Show of hands so I know how many. Oh, wow, that's all. I love y'all. That's great. The rest of y'all watch them. But um, so the last, the most, like the most recent one, sort of the climax of the Marvel movies would be called Endgames. That's sort of where it all, and I know there's other ones after that, but that's sort of the big one. But if you were just to watch Endgame and you didn't see the 18 movies that came before it, you would have some understanding of what was going on, but I wouldn't encourage you to begin to build your whole political philosophy or to put memes out that knock a bunch of other people about, about the Marvel movies if you haven't seen them all. Because just to see in games doesn't really tell the whole story of what the other Marvel movies are about. It's the same thing with the book of Revelation. If you don't know the books that came before, then I would be really, really careful making a lot of broad statements based on your understanding of the book of Revelation. It's an amazing book, and you can open it up, and you can get some incredible things out of it just by opening it up and reading it. But you will not get what you would get if you understood the books that came before. And so what we typically do is what I've seen in my life, and maybe you all have seen it too, is I've seen some very irresponsible uh, readings of the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, I've seen uh, a lot of people blast other people about church or different things based on their knowledge of Revelation. And then when I'll ask them, did they ever read the book? Their answer was no. It's like we all learned about Revelation from Facebook memes or something like that, you know? Revelation has, has been used to divide groups of people. Churches have divided over the book of Revelation. Y'all know any cults? Ever heard of a cult? Um, you, know what? you know why this isn't one? Because no one listens to the leader. That's how you know when you're in a cult. Everyone does what the leader says. But like, and, and every cult ever has been centered around one book of the Bible. Would you like to guess what it is? Revelation. Boom, Revelation. I mean, the Branch Davidians, David Crush, all, all the, it's always Revelation, Revelation. Revelation has been used to inspire more craziness than anything I've ever seen. Of course, it's also been used to inspire beautiful art and worship songs. And so there's all this different stuff about this book. So today, before we really jump into the book, what I want us to do is understand context. I want us to be a people 
who read this book responsibly, who read it understanding that we're, we're holding a pearl of great worth, and to read it understanding that there's power in the way we uh, translate our messages about this. And so I'm going to put some things on the, on, the, on the board here behind me. And the first lesson that I think responsible readers must know when they're approaching the book of Revelation is they must read it with humility. Now, humility is not a word that's typically familiar to the American church, but humility matters in this point, okay? We must learn to approach this book of the Bible humbly. There are people who are dogmatic about everything in Revelation, right? They know every single thing about it. Be weary of those people, okay? Be careful of those people. Because if you're dogmatic about every single thing from Revelation, um, you just got to be careful because the truth is there's a lot of stuff in this book that I don't know that we really understand. As a matter of fact, if we had in this room, if we had like a church of Christ, an assembly of God, a Baptist, a Methodist, a Lutheran, and someone who'd never been to church and a non-denominational, which is actually exactly what we have. But if we had that in this room and I asked everyone their opinion on the book of Revelation, you would get a different opinion from every person. Now, not every opinion's right, but you're going to get a bunch of different opinions. So when we're talking about things that are non-essential, and some of this is not essential to your salvation, when we talk about these things, we're very humble because we just don't know everything. Second thing in Revelation, and this, this I think matters so much, understand what you're reading. Responsible readers know what they are reading. Revelation is, is a genre of literature in the Bible known as apocalyptic literature. All right, so audience participation. Y'all know how I need audience participation all the time. So what is apocalyptic? When I say that word, what do you think of? Just shout it out. End of times, right? End of the world. When I think of apocalypse, maybe you think of apocalypse now. But for most people, they think of the end of the world, right? End times. Well, the word apocalypse does not mean end of the world. The word apocalypse means revelation or revealing. We talked about the book of Ephesians, and Paul had been given a revelation. He had been given an apocalypse. That word means an unveiling of something that was not known. So this is a style of literature that was super popular at the time Revelation was written, and it is where uh, God gives a word to a messenger, a specific messenger, and then he reveals this previously unknown word to the world. As a matter of fact, Revelation 1, let's, just, let's read this. It says, the revelation from Jesus Christ. So who's this revelation from? Great job. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's not John's revelation. It's Jesus' revelation delivered to John. John is then a, a, almost like a conduit where sometimes in the Bible they're writing about things they saw. Now they're all, under, they're all inspired, they're all in the spirit. But this, this is kind of different. This is like, this isn't John telling you what he saw and thinks. This is John telling you exactly what Christ has told him to tell you. You see the difference? So in this style of literature, they use a lot of uh, imagery, a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of numbers and stuff like that. Uh, it, doesn't always, it doesn't always mean what it says. It means what it means. And, and I can explain that like this. How many of you guys remember political cartoons? Anybody remember those from the age they used to have? That's good for. So for the four of you. But political cartoons would typically be something like this. You would have something like the United States, and it would be represented by not a map of the United States. It would be represented by a bald eagle. 
Okay, so you got a cartoon, there's a bald eagle. And then you would have a Republican, which was represented by what? If I figured y'all know that one. Uh, there's a Democrat, one donkey, one person. There's, there's a donkey. Okay, so, so you would have these two different things, right? You'd have a, a United States bald eagle, a cat, a, 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 an elephant, and a donkey. Well, no one would read that thinking, oh, this is a comic about a bald eagle talking to a donkey and an elephant. You would read that as an American, understanding this is the United States, you have Republicans, because you would understand the context. For instance, if I begin to talk about the infinity stones and what happened with the soul stone and how poor Gomorrah, I mean, some of you are going to go, I know what he's talking about. The others of you are going to go, okay, what? Context. Context matters when you're talking about, and so you can't just take the imagery from Revelation and make it mean whatever you want it to mean. It means what it means, but it doesn't always mean exactly what it says. And that comes from time and study and taking your time to understand what the author's talking about. Um, this next one is uh, probably my absolute favorite of all the little things we're going to talk about today. Responsible readers of Revelation know what they don't know. This, this is, to me, one of the most dangerous things. As Christians, we must know what we don't know. And typically speaking, and not, not all, but most American Christians have a very, very low understanding of the Old Testament. Most American Christians spent very little time reading the Old Testament. This matters when you get to Revelation. There are 404 verses in the book of Revelation. 278 of them are Old Testament references. So if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, Revelation gets very, very confusing for you. And you begin to say things like, and I'm just going to pull a couple things out of there, like uh, that president is the Antichrist. I've heard people say, some of you are like, he is. No, no, I've heard people say this. I've heard people say all sorts of people are the Antichrist, right? Or maybe this is maybe this one. I've heard people say, um, let me just think of another random one. That particular vaccine is the mark of the beast. Again, completely random, <laughs> completely random, right? Just, <laughs> yeah, I've heard this from well-meaning, educated Christians who love Jesus, that the COVID-19 vaccine was the mark of the beast. They also thought driver's licenses were the mark of the beast and social security cards were the mark of the beast. And, and so let, let's just jump into Revelation and see what verse we're getting this mark of the beast from. Revelation 13, 15, it says, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that that image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Okay, now what, what a lot of people do is they take that they look at what's going on in America today and they go, oh, that must mean this. But this was not written to outline everything going on in America today. It's referencing in the Hebrews, which John was, who wrote, who wrote this book. He was a Hebrew. He's writing to Hebrews. They had a prayer. It was called the Shema. And they prayed it every single day to remind themselves of who God was. And most of this prayer is taken from the book of Deuteronomy. And let me read you Deuteronomy 6, where this prayer is taken, that John prayed every day and the Jews prayed every day. Deuteronomy 6, 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Does that sound familiar? Hands and foreheads. 
Uh, Stuart, we were talking about this in staff meeting the other day, and I wish they had the picture. Stuart had a picture of some Hasidic Jews, some very reverent, devout Jews. And they tie things on their hands, and they put the Word of God, the Old Testament, on their foreheads. And so when he's talking about your hands and your foreheads, he may not be talking about a literal mark. He may be talking about rejecting what should have been bound on your hand and your forehead, and that is the Word of God. That the mark of the beast might actually be to reject Jesus, to reject the word of God, and to decide for yourself what is right and wrong. Now, I, I'm not 100% sure of that interpretation, but at least I'm getting to the interpretation the responsible way by starting at the Old Testament. And guys, I, I know as we go through this series, people are going to challenge me on different things we say in this, and I'm okay with that, as long as you've spent the time and energy studying this that I have. But if your entire study of Revelation came from a Facebook meme then it's going to be a short challenge. I, I, I don't know exactly, but I know this. You can't start determining what revelation is by what's going on in the United States today. You start with the Old Testament. And so to understand the mark of the beast, you don't look around and go, you know what? I bet Social Security cards are the mark of the beast. You go to the Old Testament and you figure out what it meant to have things bound. This book was not written to us. It was written for us but it was not written to us. And so you can't take everything from this and just start shouting crazy stuff on Facebook. Cool? All right. I've waited for that particular part of this sermon for about three years. <laughs> I feel much better. I don't care what vaccine. I don't care if you get the cootie shot, a flu shot. I don't care. But if you're not going to get something, don't use the Bible as a weapon against it unless you're really, 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 really sure that's what the Bible says. Oh, that was cathartic. Okay. Next one, responsible readers of Revelation know some history about what was going on when Revelation was written. This, this matters so much. All right, so we are trying to actually put ourselves back in first century uh, Judea and Israel and the Middle East when all these things were going on. When they wrote this book of Revelation to people, what were Christians experiencing? Let me tell you what they were experiencing that we know nothing about. Persecution. I've seen American Christians talk about persecution because, you know, like the, it was raining or because the air was too hot in their church or whatever. We don't know persecution. When this was written, uh, they just come, the Christians had been living under a guy named Emperor Nero for years, and he was horrible, murderous, uh, killer of Christians, persecutor of Christians. Then they're under an emperor named Domination. This guy was even worse. One of the things I read about him was he rounded up, he was having a party. And so he rounded up a bunch of believers. He dipped them in a flammable liquid and he used them as candles to light his party. That's persecution. Okay, that, that's persecution. That's real church persecution. When, when followers are being killed and in this area, in this time, they expected you to worship the emperor. You had to worship. Now, they didn't care if you had other gods, but you better still worship the emperor. If you didn't worship the emperor, you didn't eat. You didn't work, and many times you lost your life. This is the context that John is writing into and saying, man, if you don't get the mark of the beast, you're not going to eat. You're not going to work. You're not going to live. The beast was Rome, and the Roman Empire was destroying these people and crushing these people, and they were under persecution that we will never, ever, ever, ever experience in our lifetimes, Lord willing. Although there are people somewhere in the world who still experience real persecution. But we need to understand the context of what was going on when the book was written. Next one, responsible readers understand the style. Um, how many of you think you have style? Just show of hands. 
That's fair. One. That's good. <laughs> you got style. You got a cool hair. Do you ever do that? Do you do that? Do it for me real quick. It's so awesome. I always wished I could do that. The little skate. Okay. Um, listen, you got to know the style of Revelation, all right? What most of us grew up reading and what we want to read and what we want to write is what's known as a linear story. Do you all know what linear is? It's where you start at the beginning, you move to the middle, and then you go to the end. Uh, it's how most of you mow the grass. And mo I mow the grass in circles, so I'm not linear. Like I'm over here and then I come back and then I just pray to God that by the end of it, everything's done, right? Most of you guys are probably pretty sequential in your thinking. And so when you read a book, you want to start, a middle, and an end. That's not Revelation. Revelation, John will be talking about something and then he'll jump to something else and then he'll just turn into a praise song. So it's like a, it's like a musical. He just, ah, oh, God is good in the midst of whatever he's, you know, whatever. You're like, whoa. It's completely not in linear order. So if you're trying to use Revelation to map out a play-by-play -play of the end of the American life, you're going to be very frustrated. Matter of fact, y'all just listen to this. Let me prove my point here. Chapter 6 through 16 of Revelation. He's describing all these things that are going to happen. Judgment, seals, trumpets, bowls, all this crazy stuff, and we'll get to it all. And then in Revelation 12, he pauses and says this. So Revelation 12 too. Y'all ready? She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Okay, what do you all think that story's about right there? What? I think, it's, I think it's about the birth of Jesus, a woman giving birth to a child. Uh, so, so I really need you guys to, to st stick with me on this. Historically speaking, does birth come before or after death? Because I'm really getting concerned. <laughs> Next week, we're just going to have a basic biology class. It's going to be awkward at times. Um, yeah, no, birth typically happens before death. And so in, in, the, in the, all these chapters, he's talking about what's going to happen after the life, death, and resurrection. Then he goes to a, to a birth narrative. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going in order. So if you're going to use this to say, you know, then this happens, this happens, this happens, and you think you're going to map out the exact end of the world when the Bible says not even the son knows the day or the hour that the father is going to change things. If you think you've got it figured out from Revelation, I would just say be careful because I, I, don't, I don't think it's completely linear. All right, the, the last one, and this is probably the most important one. Always read the book of Revelation with the purpose of Revelation in mind. What is the purpose of Revelation not? I don't think it's to divide Christians. I don't think it's to scare people to death. I don't think it's for you to win your political war with someone else. I think the book of Revelation was written so that we would see Jesus revealed as Jesus desires to be revealed, so that we would know him better, so that we would learn to truly worship God. I, th I think it was written so that we would understand the power of God, what he's done in the past, the power of what God is doing, and the power of what God is going to do. So I think although Revelation was written to, to churches at a different time and a different place, I think it applies to us because no matter what you are going through, 
No matter what is happening in your world, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what fear you have, this moment is not your forever. We worship a God who has overcome. And I think too many of us, like, one of the, we'll talk more about this next week, but one of the most cool things I read in studying for this, the most important thing you have in your life right now is the image of God that you have in your head. And if the image of God you have in your head is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, sheep-petting, boring God, then it is no wonder you have no passion in your worship. You read Revelation and you get an image of God as Christ desires for you to know him. And so, guys, read this with your eyes open. Read it with an eye on worship. Read it, read it as people who aren't full of themselves and who think they know everything about the Bible. Read it as people who are seeking the truth. Read it as people who desire to be united, as people who desire to worship the kind of God who can save the world and the kind of God who can save your world. My prayer for us during this series is that it's, it's not that we get smarter. It's not that we all agree on everything. Because, again, we're going to disagree on some things. That's fine. My prayer for us is that we become equipped to worship God. Uh, that if you've been sitting in here bored for the last few years, uh, that you get a new picture of Jesus Christ in your head, a picture of a Christ who saved the world and a picture of a Christ who died to save you and a picture of a Christ who desires and demands that you worship him. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.